23 in your songbooks, 423, the solid rock, 423. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, then is all my hope and stay. Sing it. On Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. In his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. And now let's turn to 384. 384, verily I say unto you, page 3. 84, although that's not the right song. Verily I say unto you, that's the song we want. 385, there we go. One page over. 385, verily I say unto you, Oh, what a Savior that he died for me. From condemnation he had made me free. He that believeth on the Son saith he, hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new, he that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. All my iniquities on him were laid, all my indebtedness by him was paid. All who believe on him, the Lord hath said, hath everlasting life. Now sing it, verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. Though poor and needy, I can trust my Lord. Though weak and sinful, I believe his word. Oh, glad message, every child of God have everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true hath everlasting life. Though all unworthy, yet I will not doubt, for 
for him that cometh he will not cast out. He that believeth, oh, the good news shout, have everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, have everlasting life. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us. We thank you for each one that is here this morning. We thank you for this time that we can center around your word. And Lord, we just pray as we attempt to worship you this morning that you will take over each voice, that we will remember we're not singing for our own betterment. We're not singing just to be heard. We're singing to your honor and to your glory. Lord, we pray for the special music that it would lift you up this morning. We pray for the preaching of your word, that I would have the clarity and the ability to say the things that you would want said this morning. And Lord, that each heart would have the ability not only to hear the words, but to understand and live them. We pray we would leave this place changed today. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your hymn books, 344. I picked a song uh, that we don't sing very often. Beautiful song, 344. Let's sing it together. All my life long I had panted For a draught from some cool spring That I hoped would quench a burning Of the thirst I felt within Hallelujah, I have found him Whom my soul so long has prayed Jesus satisfies my longings Through his blood I now am saved around me till my strength was almost gone long my soul for something better only still to hunger on hallelujah I have found him whom my soul so long has prayed Jesus satisfies my longings through his blood I now am saved for I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy. But the dust I gathered round me only mocked my soul's sad cry. Hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has prayed. Jesus satisfies my longings through his blood I now am saved. How many of you, that's the first time you've sung that song? Oh, boy, lots. Let's try that last verse. Beautiful words, amen, one we need to learn. Well of water ever springing, let's sing it out. Well of water ever springing, grant of light so rich and free, until wealth that never faileth, my Redeemer is to me. Sing it out, hallelujah. I have found him who my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longing. Through his blood I now 
Okay, Brother Franz, lead us in that last hymn this morning. All right, now let's turn to page 822, past the index, 822, Our Great Savior. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. Jesus, what a strength in weakness. Let me hide myself in him. Tempted, tried, and sometimes failing. He, my strength, my victory wins. Now sing it out. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a friend. Saving, saving, helping, keeping, loving. What a help in sorrow while the billows o'er me roll. Even when my heart is breaking, He, my comfort, helps my soul. Let me hear you. Hallelujah, what a Savior. This time we'll have all the children 11 and under dismissed to the junior church. And we'll sing that fourth verse as the last. The fourth. Jesus, what a guide and keeper while the tempest hill is high. Storms about me night or takes me. He, my pilot, my cry. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. And you may be seated. Just before the message this morning, I've asked Joya to sing a song that she has written many years ago that fits very well with the message this morning. It's called, I Knew His Voice. 
Turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. We'll start with the description of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and John on the island of Patmos. And the last several Sundays, for those who are with us the first time here this morning, we want to welcome you to our services. But uh, several weeks ago, uh, uh, three weeks uh, prior to this, we started with uh, a sermon on the hands of Jesus, the hands that touched the unclean leper and made him clean, the hands that touched uh, the blind and made them see, the hands that were scarred by the nails where he died to pay the price for our sins. The next message was on Jesus' feet, the feet that walk this earth, the feet that were wept over by the woman who was a sinner. They were anointed again a second time by a woman named Mary, the sister of Lazarus whom Jesus had risen from, again, risen from the dead. His feet also were pierced with the nails. And yet the book of Zechariah tells us those feet will come again and set at the, upon the Mount of Olives and the entire mountain upon which Jerusalem is now built is going to split in half. And he is going to rearrange the geography because his feet will be above all and dominate everything. We preached on Jesus' eyes. How he looked upon those whose hearts were hard with anger and compassion with those that desired it. Eyes that see right through all of the veneers, all of the pretense, all of the pretend of this world, eyes that deal only in truth. I wish we had a whole series of Sunday mornings just for to this morning's message, the voice of Jesus. We could go so many places. But let's just start. Revelation chapter 1, verse 12, it says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. John was in the Spirit. He was the only living person on the island of Patmos. He was worshiping the Lord, and he heard this voice behind him, and he wanted to turn and see the voice that spake with him, and it says, In being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks representing the churches of Jesus Christ. By the way, those churches are individual locations, not different denominations. Jesus' church only believes one thing. It cannot be Jesus' church and disobey the Jesus who founded it. Read the passage. Jesus said, I'll stop that church from being a church. I'll take its candle out of the candlestick. It will not. There will not be a false light of the Lord Jesus Christ coming from his church. Amen. Though there are many voices today in the world, you have to be careful. Uh, being a pastor dealt with very sensitive things and personal, and I'm not thinking of any individual person. Unfortunately, it's been many times over the years 
uh, people have come in and, and, and they said, Pastor, I hear voices. He said, yes, you do. The world is full of voices. But they tell me to do strange things and I'm confused. And yes, those are the voices of this world. There are multitude of them. We must seek to tune our hearing to the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. It does not come naturally. It does not come easy. It is not normal for us as sinful human beings to want to hear the voice of the Master. It implies authority, as we will get on in, in our message today. His voice is powerful. It is described here in Revelation as the voice. Look at verse 15. His feet were like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Though I do not have all the details right in my mind, uh, how many of you have ever heard of the story of the Johnstown Flood in Johnstown, Pennsylvania? Um, it's a fairly famous story. Sometime you, you might want to research some of the uh, facts. But above the city of Johnstown in the mountains of Pennsylvania was a dam holding back literally hundreds of thousands of gallons of water. They said in, uh, due to the storms and flooding and things that were going on in the area, that dam gave way in the middle of the night. It, craved a car it, it carved a crater some 20 feet deep right through the middle of that city. They said the sound of that water coming through, the, those that survived to tell about it, many people were killed. An entire city was just literally washed off the face of the earth. They said it was the loudest, most unbelievable sound they'd ever heard in their life. When we recorded this song several years ago, we mixed in at the, at the studio the sound of waves crashing and the sound of the thunder to go with the words of the song. And it was, it was really a, a neat thing to do. But you, you couldn't describe in, an, in a, a, a presentation on, a, on an audio CD what the sound of many waters were like because it would drown out everything else. All you would hear would be the rushing of the water. That was the sound of Jesus' voice according to John chapter 1. John's record here in Revelation chapter 1. Yet when Jesus walked the face of this earth, he did not speak in that voice because he would have frightened all of us away. That was not his intention. And what I want us to do this morning, and uh, we may just, uh, we're going to just hit a brief, brief, summary. This subject may come up again on Sunday mornings. We, we need to spend some time understanding the voice of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, let me uh, 
warn you. Uh, so uh, my children got me a, a, a tape a few years ago of, a, uh, of a, some music that I really like. It's uh, gospel music, and, and on there was a song that said, I know Jesus is real because I saw him standing there and I heard him talking to me. Now, that makes a nice little sappy song, but that's not the way Jesus speaks today. If you see someone standing in your bedroom quoting scripture to you, dial 911, amen? Uh, that's not from God. God speaks to us through his written word. He will not speak to you any other way. And there's a reason for that. It's called confusion. Let me just illustrate. We're not going to do this physically. Most of you would know what would happen, but if I just stepped down off the pulpit here and whispered something in my wife's ears so that no one else could hear, and then she were to repeat that to Thespina and to Franz and to uh, Brett and on down through, by the time we got back over here to Peter, uh, the message, I dare say, would not be the same would it? You ever played telephone where you tell somebody and they tell the next person and by the time it gets through, I mean, it is utter confusion. God doesn't want us to be confused. He doesn't want us to wonder what I had to say, what, what he really said. I think there's something built into most teenagers. The first sentence when you tell them anything, what'd you say? You heard exactly. No, I didn't. You repeat to me what you think you heard me say. And of course, it is word perfect without anything. They heard. But when it's written down, there's no room for question, is there? That's why Jesus speaks to us through his word. So everyone can read and understand. And if your eyes are blind that you cannot read, someone can read. And you can hear those words. And if you miss them, you can get them again. In fact, John here is, is trained in interpreting for people who are both deaf and blind. And he has sat in a classroom and uh, they had an interpreter there who could hear and they would interpret to John. And then John was sitting beside the person who was blind and deaf and they would put their hands on his hands and he would make the signs for the words with his hands and that man would read his hand signs with his fingers and understand and learn from the lesson. God has made a way for every one of us to hear His voice. Even though we do not have ears, we can hear His voice. Amen. We can read. We can communicate. I mean, there's just a part of me that 
wonders what it would be like to actually hear Jesus' voice. Now, no one living today has ever heard Abraham Lincoln speak. Yet, every person who has in, uh, in, um, impersonated Abraham Lincoln and spoke for him has one of those deep, rolling voices. Yet, historians tell us that Abraham Lincoln's voice was actually very shrill and high-pitched and that you could hear his voice uh, just literally in unbelievable distances because of the shrillness of his voice. Now, we like to think that four score and seven years ago, our fathers, you know, the Gettysburg Address, but it wasn't like that at all. There were no PA systems. I'm not going to attempt to imitate what people have described Abraham's Lincoln's voice to be, because if I did, there wouldn't be any rest of the message because I couldn't speak. Uh, and uh, it would probably blow the speakers and do some awful things. So we'll, we'll just keep to the, to the pattern here today. We'll, we'll get back to our text. The ideal here is that Jesus did speak, and many of his words are recorded in the Scripture. And the words that Jesus spoke were greatly uh, uh, are, are just unbelievable. They are the words of peace. They are the words of love. They were the words of condemnation. But I want us to turn to the book of Mark and chapter 1. And uh, this is one of the earliest references chronologically to Jesus' speech and how he spoke. And verse 27 of Mark chapter 1, it says, And they were all amazed. Everyone that heard him was amazed. Insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do Obey Him. Matthew chapter 7, after the greatest sermon that we have recorded in history, the Sermon on the Mount, it says that the people were amazed at His teaching, for He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard a message preached by someone, and I don't mean to condemn this sometimes. It's a, uh, a proper and right thing to do. Uh, most of the time in preaching, people like to quote other men. Now, Dr. So-and-so said this, and the great learned men of the ages said this, and the best understanding that this group of scholars have been able to come... That is not preaching with authority. But when you say, thus saith the Lord, that's authority, amen? Over the years, a few people have accused me, and I, I believe wrongly so, uh, of being overly dogmatic. You just think you know everything. No, I don't know everything. But let me tell you something. 
When I am telling you what God says, that's the end of the conversation. I can be as dogmatic as I want because I'm right. Even if the whole world is wrong, amen? And it is on many occasions because Jesus was always right. The first thing they noticed about his speech is that it was with authority. I mean, there are certain people do we have any school teachers here today, people that have been in classrooms and, and taught for, for years? Now, how many of you have been in a classroom with a teacher? <laughs> yeah, we got everybody there. Do you remember the teacher that came in? I think everybody's had one of these. And when they got upset, their face would turn red. We had one teacher, he had a blood vessel that just went right across his forehead. And we could always tell when Mr. Hirsch was getting upset and we were getting to him because that vein would start popping out in his forehead and his face would start turning red. Now, don't look at me that way. You did the same thing, all right? Didn't you? Not everybody, I'm sure. But there were certain teachers that you knew you could push the buttons and you weren't going to learn anything that day because they had no authority. You had it. But there were other teachers that walked in the room and you just felt like sitting at attention. Anybody remember like that? That's authority. And it wasn't because they were some... Uh, uh, axe murderer turned school teacher who was going to kill the first student that made a noise. It, it was just because they had great classroom control. And if you'll remember properly, in those classrooms where there was authority, you could actually learn some things. They were some of the best teachers you ever had. Now, you may not have liked all the rules and all the strictness, but I'll tell you what, you, you liked the education. The first thing they noticed about Jesus was he wasn't quoting other sources. And you know, I, I think it's very foolish many times for a pastor to get up on Sunday morning and start quoting other men. I mean, sometimes I quote other preachers because they make a, uh, a nice little sentence that it, I just wasn't smart enough to think of. I, I love Brother Nielsen's description of discouragement. It's forgetting who God is. I mean, that is just so succinct. It is right there. hits the nail on the head. Uh, I like Brother Clayton's quote. That's dumber than a box of rocks. I mean, that just uh, makes, puts, brings across the point. But when we're talking about the things that Jesus did, it said with authority. He commanded the evil spirits and they obeyed him. Now, by the way, don't you go trying that you do not have the authority that Jesus has and he didn't give it to you you want to deal with the spirit world you hide behind Jesus and let him deal with it that's the safe way you want victory in your life get behind the authority the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll protect you, amen? His voice was with authority. 
his voice was with power. Now, that doesn't mean that he had one of those special voices. Uh, I remember them describing the Baptist preacher, William, um, uh, his name was Spurgeon. I can't remember his first name right now. Haddon, something Haddon Spurgeon. But anyway, he pastored the uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. We got it. It'll come sooner or later. It's just working a little slow. Too much dust from the sanding in my head. But uh, they said that he would preach to 10,000 people every Sunday morning. People just literally flocked from all over the city of London to come and hear that man preach. And his voice is not recorded. He died in the year 1899. I don't know that we have any recordings of, of Mr. Spurgeon, and if we did, they would not be of a quality that you would be able to evaluate his voice. But people who have talked to people who actually heard him preach in the testimony said he had a voice that was just phenomenal. I mean, you could listen to his voice all day. Much unlike my voice. But that's the only one I got, so I'm going to use it. Amen? But Jesus' voice had power not because of his eloquence. Not because of a perfect anatomy that allowed the voice to resonate and come up and, and, and be uh, uh, ejected from his body in such a way that just made us all want to listen as some great singer or something like that. His voice had power because it accomplished things. How many of you remember the funeral it named that Jesus broke up? He was coming out with a multitude of people and they were rejoicing at the words that Jesus had taught them. And as they passed by the entrance to this little city in Nain, just a little village in the Galilean countryside there, there was a funeral procession came out, a widow woman with her only son. She was going to the cemetery to bury him. And so you had the weeping and the wailing and the sorrow and then you had this great multitude from the entire area rejoicing and talking about them among themselves about the great things. And so you had incredible joy and happiness meeting the total sum of sorrow. And Jesus just said one word. Arise. And that boy sat up on the fire alive. You want power. There's power. The whole world is concerned. And rightly so. Of what can be done with one maniac and one crude nuclear weapon. The world ought to be concerned about that. But why couldn't we not be more concerned over the voice that had enough power to speak to the dead and the dead came back to life. There's not enough power on this earth to do that. They say Queen Elizabeth, the greatest female sovereign of her day, the most powerful person on the face of the earth, 
died saying, my kingdom for another moment. She didn't get that moment. But the voice that had the power stood at the grave of Lazarus who had been dead for four days and spoke the words in John chapter 11. It says, He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. One person observed, and rightly so, if he had not spoken specifically to Lazarus, and intending only him, all of the graves would have opened and everyone would have come forth. Jesus couldn't do that one day, the Bible tells us. That's power. We think of the devastation that a storm can do. And we saw what happened when Katrina rolled through New Orleans and, and uh, the greatest destruction was along the Mississippi coast there. I mean, there were towns that were just literally destroyed by the strength of that hurricane. Jesus was sleeping in a boat out on the Sea of Galilee. They tell us the bottom of that lake is littered with the wreckage of ships that have been destroyed and swamped and sunk by the little squalls that arise. I mean, a shallow mountain lake up on the top, there's nothing more dangerous in the world than a little lake because when the water gets turbulent, there, there's no safety in any vessel. And the storm arose. And these sailors that had grown up sailing that lake every day of their life to make their money and catch the fish and supply their families, they were screaming like little children to Jesus, Lord, we perish! And he stood up and said one sentence, Peace, be still. And the water was flat. That's power, my friend. Jesus' voice had authority. It had power. Uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, demonstrating the power of Jesus' voice. In the Garden of Gethsemane, where he was arrested, John chapter 18 he goes forth from having prayed there. The Bible tells us his sweat, as it were, were, was, as it were, great drops of blood. That's how earnestly Jesus was praying in the turmoil in his soul. Not about the coming of the cross. I don't believe Jesus was afraid of the cross. I don't believe he was afraid of the suffering. He was preparing himself to carry the burden of our sins. God, who cannot touch sin, who cannot have sin in his presence, was going to, on the cross, propitiate the Father, the price of our sins. 
he went forth from praying to the crowd and as they were there with torches and staves and swords and spears, it said a multitude that there could have been more people there crowded on those narrow walkways than could comfortably walk. There may have been 50, 100 people there in that dark garden. Jesus said, Whom seek ye? Judas had already given the kiss. And Jesus simply said, I am. And the entire crowd who were there to arrest Jesus, it says, as soon as he said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. I love that verse. They thought they were going to get something accomplished. In fact, they they did get what they thought they were going to do accomplished. But it was only because Jesus let them. Amen? It was not because they had any power at all. How many of you remember the story of Nicodemus? The Pharisee. The ruler of the Jews. The wise man who had spent his whole life studying the Scriptures and As Jesus spoke unto him, Nicodemus was trying to to conciliate. He was trying to make friends with this new teacher. He said, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You talk about blowing somebody out of the water. You talk about a rebuke. You talk about Jesus took that olive branch and snapped it in two and threw it back at him. He said, we're not going to be friends. I am not here to add my religion to the pantheon of empty, false worship of a true God. He says, you're not capable of worshiping me. You're not capable of understanding. You must be born again. You must be completely changed. There's nothing sweeter than a brand new baby, is there? I mean, they're just incredible. I got to hold Brett's, his little boy and little girl, twins, just days old. I mean, they're just, there's nothing like the cry of a brand new baby. Why? Because it's new life. Amen? Jesus wants to give you new life. By the way, that life you have didn't come anywhere else. It's not a reused soul, as some people try to teach. That little baby is a unique individual created in the likeness of Adam because of sin, restored to the image of Christ through being born again into God's family. Nicodemus was sorely confused. But we see Nicodemus again on the day of Jesus' death. I think he got it straightened out, don't you? I believe we're going to see Mr. Nicodemus in heaven. Because even though he got confused, he's 
Jesus said, you're a master of Israel and you don't know these things? And he's going, I'm a master of Israel. I don't know nothing compared to you. I don't understand a thing you're saying. How many of you remember when you were there? When you read that book called the Bible and it just didn't make a bit of sense. But you begin to listen to the words, not with your ears, but with your heart. Things begin to change. And you accepted the authority of those words that told you everything about you. And it's not good, by the way. We do not believe in self-esteem at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you how good you are when the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you're not good as God is, you're not good enough. But if you'll come to that Savior and believe His words, He'll give you a new birth. As many as believed him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that what? Go to church and do good works? Not if you've got a real Bible. Even to them that do the best they can. That's not what the Bible says, is it? Even to them that believe on his name. You don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. You got to be saved. Now, once you're saved, you ought to want to be baptized. Amen. You can't join the church to go to heaven. In fact, you can't join this church until you give public testimony that you're already on your way to heaven. Amen. Because that's the job of the church is to help you enjoy the trip. Amen. To fellowship one with another, to be strengthened in the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But Jesus didn't play games with his words. He didn't accommodate Nicodemus. As we say where I come from, he hit him right between the eyes. Nicodemus was sitting there after that conversation just going, what in the world was that all about? But he kept listening. And it changed him. And he believed the Lord Jesus Christ. One more point, we'll be done. Jesus' word was with authority. It was with power. Jesus' word was the truth, amen? But Jesus' word was full of love. You know, love is not a warm, ushy-gushy feeling inside. Somebody said, ah, just puppy love. Puppy love is what makes puppies act like dogs. Stay away from it. You're getting a lot of trouble with that stuff. Now, if you want a warm, mushy-gushy feeling, how many remember the recipe for a warm, mushy-gushy feeling inside? Some of you remember that oatmeal. It works. You get a big bowl of oatmeal and milk it up really good and brown sugar and butter and mix all that together. Well, I'll tell you what, after a quarter or two of that, you'll feel warm and ushy-gushy inside. 
You may not get anything else done, but you'll feel good about it. It's good for your heart and everything else. Amen? But that ain't love. Love was looking at Nicodemus and telling him the truth. Amen? Love was in Matthew when Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. In fact, let's read those verses. John, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, right down at the end of the chapter there. It says, Come unto me, verse 28 of Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Look what he says. Take my yoke upon you. How many people know what a yoke is today? I mean, when they, uh, we, we live in the uh, days of tractors and things like that. The only yoke most, most of us know about if you're mechanically inclined is the one that holds your uh, universal joint on your front wheel drive together. I mean, that's a yoke. Um, you're does anybody know what a CV joint is? Okay. Well, I used to be a mechanic, but anyway. In the old days before horsepower, when you actually had mules and donkeys and oxen, if the load was too heavy for one animal, you would yoke them together. Now, that yoke was an unbreakable bond because if the yoke broke, while the animals were pulling against it, it would injure and possibly even kill the animals. And if you yoke up two animals that were not compatible, I've heard Brother Clayton talk when he was a young man watching his father get the mules. Those mules had to be bred in a matched set. So they would pull together in a yoke. And if you yoked up an unmatched set, they would pull against each other until one of the animals was killed. This idea of a yoke is bondage, my friend. It is being unbreakably, whatever adjective you want to be put in there, tied and bolted to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Could you imagine pulling the yoke with the Lord Jesus Christ? His strength is unstoppable, amen? But you see, he wants you to pull with him. There's things for us to do. It's not a free ride, amen? But if you are burdened with the cares of this life, if there is no rest in your soul, the only place you're going to find it is permanently attached to the Lord Jesus Christ. Those of you that are today, could you say amen to that? I mean, that's where the rest is. Jesus said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Would you be willing to yoke up with the Lord Jesus Christ? That's his love, amen? Now, he may take you some places you don't want to go. 
And I have one word of great compassion and great care for you. Tough. He knows a whole lot better than you do. Why don't you stop trying to tell him what to do and let him give you a little direction? You know, it's, I love to go hiking in the woods, and we don't get to do it very often, but every once in a while we'll go, and, and uh, invariably one of the children will run out ahead, and they're way down the path in front of us. Do you know where you're going? No. And then they stop and think about that a minute. Uh, maybe I ought to slow down just a minute. If I don't know where I'm going, why am I out in front? might get lost that way. Hey, if you're yoked up with the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't get out in front. You're connected, amen. But the yoke is easy and the burden is light. How about the story of Mary Magdalene on Resurrection Sunday morning? As she stood without the tomb weeping, and she looked down and looked in the tomb and saw the angels standing there and turned around and saw Jesus, but she didn't know it was him. Jesus said one word to her. He said, Mary. And she fell down at his feet to worship. What did he say? He said, touch me not, for I must ascend to my God and to your God. Jesus took time that morning to care for Mary. And by the way, don't listen to the dirty stories paraded as truth about Mary Magdalene and the Lord Jesus Christ. That is such blasphemy. Anybody that would believe that, let alone write about it, uh, I don't question her integrity. That's been lost a long time ago. Uh, I question her IQ, whether it equals the plants on the auditorium or not. I mean, you, you've got to be either a purposeful liar or a total idiot, medically speaking. And uh, that's someone with an IQ between 30 and 60, I believe. And uh, you'd have to work at it. It doesn't come naturally. John chapter 20. John chapter 20 will be done. We had Thomas Sunday night missed the first church service. I've had talked with other preachers, and they say, well, we're just closing down our Sunday night service. It's not, not that well attended. And, and I say, well, I don't, I don't think I ever want to give up a Sunday night service. That's when the church first met, was on Sunday night. And uh, I, I don't think we ought to do that. But Thomas, was he had skipped church, first service, when Jesus appeared to them as they were locked in that upper room. The second Sunday night, Jesus appears again. In verse 27, Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. 
Now, Jesus right here used his words to take away every excuse that Thomas had for not believing. In fact, he used Thomas's own words. Thomas said, unless I can put my fingers in the nail prints, unless I can thrust my hand into his side where the spear went, I'm not going to believe that it was Jesus. Jesus stood there and said, here's my hands, Thomas. He pulled aside his robe and said, here's my side, Thomas. And what did Thomas do? He fell down at Jesus' feet and said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus wasn't done speaking yet, was he? Jesus saith unto him, verse 29, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, yet have believed. That's talking about us, amen. We've not seen, but we've believed. If you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it's simply obedience to the words of Jesus Christ. He said, believe on me, didn't he? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how simple it is. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, You take him at his word. That's salvation. But that salvation ought to change everything about you. As we've said so many times, Jesus will only take you if you'll come just the way you are. You cannot clean yourself up. You cannot make pretenses. You cannot pretend to be better than you are with the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot make yourself pleasing to Him. You must come just as you are. But He loves you so much, He's not going to let you stay that way. That's the difference between the pretend religion that's out there today Come just as you are and stay that way. Jesus doesn't care. Yes, he does. He cared enough to die on a cross to change it. He cared enough to give you a whole book called the Bible. His words, every one of them, amen. Question is, what are you going to do with Jesus' voice? Are you going to listen to it? Hearing's not enough. There are many times my children have heard my voice, and it didn't do them a bit of good. Because even though they heard the words, they weren't quite convinced that they ought to obey them yet. We took care of that. Especially when you're playing with the knob on the gas stove or trying to pick up a hot pot or something that could injure yourself. 
I mean, dinner looks awful good in a pot, all bubbly and hot, doesn't it? But you better not stick your finger in there. You're going to get burned, not fed. You listen to what Jesus says. Demands obedience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We ask that we would hear that voice. Not only would we hear it, we would obey it. Not in our effort, not in an attempt to be as good as you want us to be, but in a total submission to the authority and power of your words. And we might believe and live the truth and be saved. We're thankful that salvation is an event, not a process. We're thankful that living the Christian life can consume every moment of every day until we die or you come back to get us. Lord, we ask that you would do your work in the hearts and lives of those here. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, if you come and lead us in the hymn of invitation, one that we sing often, 541, the words of the song simply say, only trust Him. And that's what you have to do to be saved, is only trust the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have not trusted Him as your Savior, would you come to Him today? Would you just give up and surrender to the Lord and believe His words? If you are saved and you're struggling with life, just come and submit yourself to the voice of the Master. As we sing, will you come? Brother Franz. Come every soul by sin oppressed There's mercy with the Lord And He will surely by trusting in His Word. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will save you, He will save you, He will save you now. For Jesus shed His precious blood Rich blessings to bestow Plunge now into the crimson flood That washes white as snow Only trust Him, only trust Him Only trust Him now He will save you, He will save Just let the piano continue to play. If you need to pray, there's still time for you to come.
And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. We want to thank each one that's come here this morning. Let's have our ushers come at this time, if they would, to receive this morning's offering. Let us give as unto the Lord. Brother Ding, would you ask God to bless the offering this morning? Oh, holy God, creator of heaven and earth, thank you for speaking to us through your servants. Thank you for allowing us to worship you through our giving. And uh, please bless this uh, Tyson offering and the cheerful giving. Continue to use this in your great work here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Just take a moment, if you would, and look at your bulletin. We'll uh, actually been asked for several years to um, preach a meeting for a pastor in Washington State. We're going to be leaving Monday morning to do that. And uh, Lord willing, we will be back here uh, three Sundays from now. But uh, I actually had someone say, now, What's going to be happening when you're gone? Are you going to have services? Oh, we never cancel services. Um, the only time that we've uh, discouraged people from coming when coming to the service would be putting their lives in physical jeopardy. We still had services when we had uh, 21 inches of snow on the ground, but it was just the people that were close enough to walk to, to get here. And uh, so, uh, but the next... Uh, Thursday night, Brother Lucas, there's a, uh, just a schedule here of those that will be doing it. And a special thanks to everyone that has volunteered to do extra duty to fill in cleaning and all of those things. And uh, we, we should not miss uh, one step as we serve God here at home. And uh, we will be back for Sunday morning, August 27th. So we'll only miss two Sunday mornings. And uh, so Lord willing... Uh, we ask for your prayers. It's only about 6,500 miles driving, and uh, I am the sole driver on this trip, so uh, uh, just uh, appreciate your prayers for safety on the road, and uh, we're looking forward to what uh, the Lord is going to do, and uh, let's uh, be in our place. Let's serve the Lord. Amen. And so... 
Stand with me if you would. Brother Franz, come and lead us as we're dismissed. 705 if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where'er you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being with us.